Good evening. It's a blessing to be gathered together again and to look into God's word. For our precious promise verse tonight, turn to Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, and I will read that verse, and then um, we'll read it together. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You know, we live in, in times that are troubling. I have a pastor friend that says that God is still on the throne, and he's still in control, and he's not even nervous. So I'm thankful for that tonight, that we have a God that is in control, he's on the throne, and he's not even nervous. He, he's nothing, nothing has ever taken him by surprise, and nothing ever will. But, um... Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Let's read that together, all right? Precious promise verse tonight. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. What a promise tonight that we can trust in God. May not always be everything just the way we like it, but we know who's going to win. And it's not in doubt. So I'm thankful for that tonight. Well, take your Bibles tonight and, and turn to the book of Judges. And um, I want to I wanna walk, Lord willing, here tonight, we want to walk through a little bit of, of the life of Samson. And we want to gain some things from the life of Samson that could apply to our lives today. Um, kind of interesting, in, um, in, you don't have to turn to this, but I'll just read this to you out of Hebrews. This Hebrews 11, verse 32 says this, talking about the chapter of faith, what and what shall I more say, for the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson. Huh. Now, we would kind of tend to think that Samson was a little bit of a rascal, wouldn't we? And he had some issues in his life. But here he is in Hebrews 11. It says, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, walk, waxed valiant in flight, turned the flight of enemies of the armies to, of the aliens. Just all kinds of things. Well, I want to tell you tonight that um, none of the guys in Hebrews 11 or the women were perfect. Rahab is in there. She was a harlot. She obviously told a lie when... When they came and they asked if the spies was there, she said no. But those brothers and sisters in Hebrews 11 are not in there because of the sins that they committed, but they are in there because some way or another they had faith in God. When they came and Rahab was there, and the spy, when, when those spies came to Rahab's house, what did she tell them? She said, I know that your God is going to deliver us into your hands. 
She's not in there because she lied. She's not in there because it doesn't say that. It says by faith. And so Samson, we don't know what all Samson did. It sounds like Samson did a lot of things for God. And, and we're going to look at the life of Samson and, and, and gain some more of, the, of reasons why I believe why he is in, in, in Hebrews um, 11. I would, I would say that those in Hebrews 11 are in glory. We don't know that for sure. But um, they're, in, they're in Hebrews 11 as, as being faithful and trusting God. So, um, you know, I, I believe when we get to glory, I don't know if we'll be able to think like this or not, but would you think it could be possible that there may be some people there that we wouldn't have really thought would have been and that there probably will be some people who we thought would be that are not? I think that's very... I don't. I think that's reality, really. And so tonight, I want to I want to walk us a little while through the. It's we're not going to be able. To, there's about three or four chapters here in the life of Samson, and so we're not going to be able to go through every little detail. But I want you to keep one thought in mind as we go through this. And that one thought. Well, I mean, I want you. I want you to keep a lot of thoughts. But one of the thoughts that I want you to keep is is remember this, that great strength in one area will never make up for a weakness in another area. Okay? So just keep that in mind. Great strength in one area will not make up for a weakness in another area. You know? It's not like we can say, well, yeah, I know that that those attitudes and those things, they're not quite right, but at least I'm still conservative. No, that doesn't cut it. You see, our brokenness before God, our brokenness for God is not like, oh, I got an 80% on that test, so I passed. Brokenness before God is brokenness before God. It is allowing him to have our entire life and our entire being. And so it's not so much of, you know, well, I, I, I did enough to pass. No, when I come to God and I'm broken... It's not a matter of passing. I am broken. And so we want to we work through the life of Samson here tonight. And let's begin reading here in Judges chapter 13. All right, take your Bibles and turn to Judges chapter 13. And um, I'm not going to read all of these verses, but I'm going to read verses 1 to 5 here to begin with. And it says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, beware I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For, lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. There's several times in Scripture where God used a barren woman of older age to bear a very important child. Okay, um, Samuel, John the Baptist, Samson, 
I believe they were all Nazarites, I believe. I have to double check that, but I, I believe they were. And, um, you know, and, and I think it's important. I don't know that there's any importance to that. I don't know why God chooses that. But, um, you know, there, there's a big difference. And, and I, I want to say this right now. It's on my mind, so I will just say it. Uh, it doesn't even, I wasn't even planning to say this tonight, but I won't try. It's the same price. So. But, uh, you know, I was speaking on truth a while back. And, you know, we face a lot of things today in life that isn't truth. And a very basic fact that we must never forget of Scripture and the truth of Scripture is, and you may think this is not so important, but really it's, it's the basis of our salvation. And one of those truths is, is that Jesus Christ was born from a virgin. Do you believe that tonight? Because you see, if Jesus Christ was not born of a virgin, then he's not the son of God. Okay? He was the only person, Jesus Christ was the only person who was born by a lady, by a woman on this earth who did not have an earthly father. Okay, we're talking about some great men here, John the Baptist, Samuel, Samson. They, they had some unique things that happened in their birth. Maybe they were even often born to older ladies who were barren, but they had an earthly father. Okay, but Jesus Christ had no earthly father. And so if someone tells you, well, is, is the virgin birth all that important? It's everything, okay? It, not everything, but it's, it's the basis almost of everything that we believe. And so the virgin birth is very important. Simple truths like that, you know, we can just let them, we can just let them slip and, and people say, oh, well, you know, do you think so? I don't think so. I know so, okay? Now, the God that I serve is the only God that has not had an earthly father that people worship. And you know, the God that we serve, we don't go to the empty tomb, do we? We serve a God that is risen and that is alive and is coming back. And there's no one since him that trumps him. No, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So, so Samson was born a Nazarite from birth, but he had an earthly father, okay? So um, there's a big difference between Christ and some of these great men that we talk about. But it's interesting, this angel comes to them and says, you're going to have a child. And it says he's going to be a Nazarite from birth. Now, we're not going to spend much time in this. Keep your finger where you're at, but flip back to Numbers chapter 6, all right? Numbers chapter 6, and we just want to read a little bit of what it meant to be a Nazarite, okay? We're not going to spend much time on these verses, but it just gives us a setting of who Samson was to be. Numbers 6, begin reading at verse 1. Did you know that it could be a man or a woman who took a Nazarite vow? That's what, that's what it says here in Numbers. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying... Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine, strong drink, 
no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink, neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dried. All the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree, from the kernels even to the husk. All the days of the vow of his separation there shall be no razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled in which he separated himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy and shall, and shall let the locks, the locks of the hair of his head grow. All the days that he has separated himself unto the Lord, he shall come at no dead body. He shall not make himself unclean for his father or for his mother, for his brother or for his sister when they die, because the consecration of his God is upon his head. All the days of his separation, he is holy unto the Lord. So there was a number of vows there. And, those, and when you took those vows, it was very stringent. And they was, when one of those vows was, that stood out to me, was verse 7 there. You know, they could not come to a dead body, even if it was their father or their mother or their brother or their sister, they could not come to a dead body. That was part of the vow. They were consecrated unto God. And you could read on down through there, and we're not gone to, but... Um, it says down through there as you read through that passage that when they came to the time of the end of their vow, they offered a peace offering, a, ga a grain offering, a drink offering, a sin offering, and then they shaved all the hair off of their head and they burned it. So while they was in this vow, they, uh, they let their hair grow, but then at the end of the vow, they, they shaved all the hair off and, and they burned it. And that was a sign of the end of their Nazarite vow. Now, Samson was, and I don't understand how God works all of this, but Samson was to be a Nazarite from the womb. Okay? That's what the Word of God says. Samson was to be a Nazarite from the womb. And um, it seems like in Old Testament times that people could take vows. They could take a Nazarite vow, sort of like maybe something down the, actually it's probably more stringent, but maybe a little bit down the line that, that we vow that we're going to fast for so many days or, or this or that, you know. And so, um, but anyhow, this Nazarite vow was, was a big thing. It wasn't something that God took lightly. And we're going to find out as we go down through the life of Samson that Samson slowly but surely began to break every one of those vows that he was be a Nazarite unto God. We often tend to look at the fact that when she cut his hair, when they cut his hair, the Spirit of God left him. That was when he was snipped from the vine, but he was slowly walking away from God long before that. You see? And so let's, let's begin working down through here. And... Um, it just says, you know, this, this first chapter here is talking about how his birth came and, and all these different things, and he was to be a Nazarite. So we're not going to spend a lot of time in chapter 13 except for verse 25. The last verse in that chapter says, And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Estelel. And so the Spirit of God was starting to come upon Samson. So now let's begin reading in chapter 14. And let's, we're going to take 14, 15, and 16 and learn some lessons from the life of Samson. And Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother 
and said, I have seen a woman in Timthana of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there neither a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, or among all thy, thy people, that thou givest a wife, of, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. Now the Bible says, when the angel came to Samson's mother, I believe, yes, um, in chapter 5, he, he told, the angel told his mother that he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. That was God's plan for Samson's life, okay? That was God's desire for Samson. He wanted, him, he wanted Samson to be separated onto him for life to begin to deliver the children of Israel out of the hands of Philistines. Do you know who was able to deliver the children of Israel out of the hands of the Philistines? God did, but there was a man that God used. David. A man after God's own heart. You hear very little. I think I've ran across one time after the reign of David where the Philistines was even mentioned. Samson was to begin this deliverance, but years later, uh, David was used of God to fulfill this. He was to begin the deliverance of Israel from the Philistines. Well, so, so Samson, he had some issues in his life, okay? He had phenomenal strength when the power of God was upon him, but he had some phenomenal weaknesses also, Okay? And obviously, down through these chapters, one of his weaknesses was women. He made some really poor choices of women, okay? And so, remember that. Great strength in one area does not make up for weaknesses in other areas, all right? And, um, and so, he says, he sees this woman, and he tells his parents, go get her for me. Now remember, he was to begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines, not to play with the Philistines, okay? Not to marry, not to play, and sometimes in our lives, we forget that in our Christian lives, that there are two different kingdoms, and we are here to mortify and to put to death our flesh, and we are to be part of God's kingdom, but instead we try to bring the two kingdoms together, and we forget whose kingdom we're fighting for, okay? And we get confused, all right? And so, and so here's, here's Samson. He sees this woman, you know, and he's thinking of himself, you see? You can't be part of God's kingdom and think of yourself. or at least not all the time, <laughs> okay? But here was Samson. He obviously was not fighting for God's people because he was thinking of himself. Get her for me because she pleaseth me. Was there any thought in that statement that, you know, I need to be delivering God's people from the Philistines? No. He was saying this woman is a good-looking woman, and she's got what I like, and get her for me. And you know, even his parents said, Samson, isn't there somebody of the Philistine or of the Israelites instead of, you know, a Christian woman? Isn't there 
someone from the church or whatever, you know. He said, get her for me because I want her. Well, let's read on, okay? So Samson is not really devoted to God, although he has this Nazarite vow upon him. Let's begin reading at verse 5 now. Then Samson went down and his father and mother Timpah and came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion roared out against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as if he had rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after a time he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcasses of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And, the lion, and he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother. And he gave them, and they did eat, but he told them not that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. All right, let's stop reading there for a little bit. So they're going down there, and they're going down to get married, basically, I guess. And, and Samson's walking down the road, and, and we're looking at some types and shadows here tonight. But, you know, Samson is walking down the road, and they're going along, and suddenly, out of the brush, whatever it was beside him, this lion comes roaring out, okay? Now, the Bible says that what? Who's like a, who's like a lot roaring lion? Satan, the devil. The devil, he's like a roaring lion. So here's, here's the man that has the vow, that has the Nazarite vow upon his life, and he's walking down that path, and he's going along. And he, I'm not saying he's all right with God and doing everything that he should be, but he has the Nazarite vow, and he's separated unto God, and he's walking along, and here comes the devil, here comes that lion, and it comes out against him, and it says that the Spirit of God came upon Samson, and it says he grabbed that lion, and he tore him to pieces, and there was nothing in his hand, tossed him back into the woods, and went on. Kind of impressive, isn't it? Yeah. But remember, great strength in one area doesn't make up for weaknesses in another area. They go back home. And they're traveling back again. And Samson kind of remembers, hey, that's, and here's where that lion was. And so I don't know how, well, he kind of veered off the path. Doesn't say his mom and dad knew anything about it. Went back in there. And here was that lion. Dead, of course. And the bees had made a hive in there. And, you know, whenever the enemy is defeated, good things happen. <laughs> There was that sweet honey. The devil was defeated, and out of that defeat came the sweet honey. But Samson broke a vow. What did he do? He came upon a dead body, and he touched that dead body. It says he didn't tell his mom and dad where he got that honey from. Yeah. Because maybe mom and dad would have said, well, you're a Nazarite. You're not supposed to touch a dead body. But, you know, it was just, it wasn't like all of Al. You know, I mean, he's still doing pretty good, right? I mean, the power of God's still on him. And, and um, you know, and, and so he takes that honey and he takes it out, shares it with his parents, and they go on. 
Well, he goes down, and, and you can read all this. I'm not going to always read all the verses to these things. But he goes down, and he starts to party with the Philistines because he's getting ready to get married, and he's having a big feast. And I would just have to think that knowing Samson like we know Samson, you know, not that we really know him, we've only read about him, but, you know, don't you think that through all that partying that he probably drank a little bit of alcohol? Wouldn't you say? I would say so. So, now he has, he has broken the vow of not touching a dead body. And now he is partying. He's partying with the enemy. The very group of people who God had asked him to do, begin to deliver Israel from. And so he decides to make a little sport with this. And, and he, he gives them a riddle. And, and they can't understand what the riddle is. And it goes on day after day. And, he, and, and, the, and, the, and the reward was, was 30 raiments of clothes, changes of clothes. And so he gives them this riddle. And, and they, can't, they can't get it. And, and so they entice his wife to say, try to get, or his fiance or whatever it was at this point, to try to get him to understand. And I tell you what, she went after him like, oh, you talk about overbearing. And it says in verse 14, and he said unto them, no, I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, verse uh, 16. And Samson's wife wept before him and said, Thou dost but hate me and lovest me not. Thou hast put forth a riddle unto the children of my people and hast told me. And he said unto her, Behold, I have not told it to my mother nor to my father shall I tell it to thee. And it says she wept before him. I mean, can't you hear this? Oh, Samson, Samson, won't you please tell me? I mean, Samson, I mean, it says she went on and on and on. Seven days. Lasted longer than I would have. <laughs> yeah, seven days, you know. Seven days. Oh, Samson, why can't you tell me this? And why can't you this? And why can't you that? And just on and on and on and on. Don't feel sorry for Samson. He didn't have to be here, okay? But it's not what he had chosen. And so on and on and on. And so finally he said, okay, he told her. What does she do? She reveals it to the other men. And? They reveal it to Samson. He has some <laughs> stern words. I'll just read it out of the Bible. He said, if you had not been plowed with my heifer, you had not found out my riddle. So in other words, he said, if you hadn't, if you hadn't had my wife get that out of me, you would never have got it. But it's kind of interesting in verse 19. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon and slew 30 men of them and took their spoil and gave charge of the garments unto them which expounded the river, or the riddle. And his anger was kindled and he went up to his father's house. Once again, Samson, what did he do right there? What did he break? What did he break? A vow. He was not to touch a dead body. You say, well, he had to fulfill what he had said. No, he didn't need to make the situation that he did, okay? 
And so when they found out his riddle, he goes out and he kills 30 men. And I don't know how else you would take their garments off than other touch the dead bodies. And so once again, he breaks his vow. See, it's not, it's not poor Samson. I mean, if he wouldn't have been deceived by Delilah, he would, no, he had a problem, okay? First of all, he couldn't keep a secret. And second of all, he liked the wrong kind of women. That's a problem, okay? All right, you know, and, uh, you know, he, he couldn't keep a secret. He went after the wrong kind of women, but yet he had this phenomenal strength. It's like what a young lady said to me one time. She said, before I came to the Lord, and I'm not here to make fun of this when I say this, because we can have some of this very same thing in our churches. But she said, you know, I would do this and I would do that and I would do this and I would do that. But she said, I would be driving down the road in my buggy and I would say, at least I'm still Amish. We do that same thing. We have all these things in our in our hearts and all this and that sometimes, but we say, but at least still conservative does great strength in one area make up for a weakness in another area no Samson found that out okay so um, time goes on Samson goes home he comes back and he has a very interesting thing happen to him in verse 15 chapter 15 I'd have been a little bit upset too probably all right but it says he came back and he realized that his wife had been given to someone else. And in verse 20 of chapter 14, it says that he had been given to his companion. And if I understand that companion word right, that means that his wife was given unto his best man, which was a Philistine. So his best man in his wedding was an enemy, okay? Samson didn't get it. He was supposed to be delivering God's people from the enemy, not living and enjoying the enemy, okay? Well, he didn't get it, and so what does he do? He gets upset. I don't know how he did this, but he goes and he catches 300 foxes, and he ties them tail to tail, and lights them on fire, and it says that they, it went through, and it burnt the wheat, it burnt the corn, it burnt the fields. I mean, it was upset, and people said, who did this? And people said, it was Samson. And it says that the Philistines went up and burned Samson's wife and his father. You can read that right there in chapter 15. And so now Samson doesn't have his wife anymore. And so then he comes back to Israel, to his hometown or his home area, and he comes in there, and the Philistines in chapter 15, let's read this a little bit, okay? Um, chapter 15. Well, verse 6 tells us what they did with Samson's wife. Then the Philistines said, Who hath done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timni, because he hath taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burnt her and her fire and her father with fire. And Samson said unto them, Though ye have done this, yet will I avenge of you, and after this I will cease. And he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter, and he went down, down and dwelt in the top of the rock Edom. You know, how could it be that Samson could be so weak in some areas, and yet when the power of God came upon him, he was so strong 
I think it goes back to that brokenness. Am I, am I broken before God? You know, the, uh, the storybooks, they, they show Samson as this big guy. You know, he's got these big, bulging muscles, and, you know, and I don't know. <laughs> I think it had been kind of neat if, you know, I don't know, maybe Samson was about five foot six and 115 pounds. I don't know. Been more impressive, wouldn't it have? The power of God would have been more upon him. But I know he was, I don't think he was some giant of a man because we find out that it wasn't his strength, it was whose strength upon him? God's. So, so as, as he went through this, you know, he, uh, he realized that, that, you know, that he will realize this. But at this point yet, you know, he's kind of young and things are going kind of good. And, you know, he gets in some tight situations, but he kind of squeezes out of them. Well, let's go ahead. If you would read down through the rest of chapter 15, I want to spend a good amount of time in 16. It's where he took the jawbone of an ass and he slew a thousand men. A thousand men. And all he had, it says it was a new jawbone of an ass. I'm not for sure what that means, but it says it was a new one. Must not have been dead very long or something. But, um, you know, new. It was a new bone of an ass. And he put forth his hand, he took it, and he slew a thousand men. Can you imagine taking on all you have in your hand is a jawbone of a donkey, and you, are, you have a thousand men around you, and you slay them. I mean, we're not talking about just some children that ran out against him. We're talking about the warriors, the, the soldiers of the Philistine army. He takes this, bald, this, this jawbone of an ass, and he slays a thousand of them. I mean, phenomenal power, phenomenal strength. I mean, I, I, I cannot imagine how any man could take on a thousand other men and win. Not only did he win, he killed them. A thousand of them by himself with the power of God in his life. Once again, when the enemy was defeated, good things happened. It says... He was thirsty, and out of that jawbone, God gave him water to drink. And he was satisfied. Now, we're going to spend some time here in chapter 16. Let's begin reading at verse 1. Then went Samson to Gaza, and saw there a harlot, and went in unto her. And it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson has come hither. And they compressed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all the night, saying, In the morning when it's day, we shall kill him. And Samson laid till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of a hill that is for Hebron. We're going to stop reading there a little bit. This is a phenomenal part of the story that we don't even so many times understand and, and, and think about much, okay? Remember last night, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. What did he say the thief has come to do? To kill, to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Look at the enemy here. Samson is inside of Gaza here, and they're just lurking out there, just waiting for him. That's the enemy. That's, that's the kind of enemy that we have. 
He's just lurking around. And yeah, at first of all, he came at Samson as a mighty roaring lion, but now he's just kind of lurking in the shadows and he's just waiting for his opportunity to kill him. Samson goes in and spends time with the harlot. Gets ready to leave and he comes out and the, and the gates of the city he's entrapped. Have you ever felt entrapped by something? You know, sometime back I was in Georgia for revival meetings and I was sitting there in my room and I was praying and meditating and I asked God, I said, God, would you give me an illustration tonight to show, to tell these people? And as I was sitting there, God gave me an illustration. In this room, there was a fly. I was in the room. There was maybe more of us living than that. There's only, only one human in that fly. And I don't know if there's any, anything else or not, but... You know, and that fly was in there, and I'd try to kill that thing. And I, I decided that we both couldn't live in there together, okay, and that I wasn't planning to die, so he needed to go. And so this fly is flying all around, okay? This fly is flying all around. And um, he's flying around. And, and I was actually that evening talking on the subject of technology. We're not going to talk on that tonight. But it is a weakness. And it is a web that we're getting caught in too much. But anyhow, I sit and, and this fly was flying around. And I thought, you know, I can't catch him. So I thought, you know what I'll do? He'd always go over to that window. I saw, so I thought, you know what? I'll go over there and I'll lift that window up. And there's a screen on that window, Okay. So then when he hits that screen, he stops, I'll shut the window, and he'll be caught. So he comes over here to this side of the room, and here's the window, and I open that window, and I walk over here on purpose over where I see him go, and sure enough, boom, he flies over, and he goes right to that window, and he hits the screen, and he stops there, and I shut the window. <laughs> and there he is. He's on the inside of that window. And he's, you know, and he's hitting the window on the screen, he stops. And I just sat down on the bed there, and I just watched him a little bit. And as I watched that fly, being in there for about 30 seconds to a minute, all of a sudden, out of the corner of that screen, came a spider. And I stood there and I watched this. You know, I watched this and that spider came out there and the fly was, you know, and he was just jumping all around. And then, and then the spider made a, took a lunge at him and didn't get him. And so the fly went down to the bottom of the window, and the spider came down to the bottom of the window. The fly would, would jerk around and go back up. He'd go up the top of the window, but he couldn't get out. And so then the spider would climb back up there. And as I looked at all that, I thought, Lord, that's exactly what's happening to us. The enemy is just entangling us in all kinds of things. And, and we don't know which way to go. We're just kind of running around, hoping that somehow we can, can whatever. And so the, 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 the spider would come up here, and, brrr, and he'd fly back down here. And this went on for quite a while. 
But I noticed that the that the that the spider was. He, he first of all, when he came out, he was kind of made a quick lunge and didn't get him. And then after that, he was just kind of slow. He would just the fly would go down there, and the spider would just come down close, and he would just keep coming in a little bit. And if the fly would go back up there, he would just turn around and come in close. And you know, I was kind of starting to root for the the spider, you know, but um, you know, and I was watching him and. He'd get a little closer, you know, and that fly would, boom, he'd come back down here. And finally, that, that fly kind of stopped in the middle of the window, window and, and, um, and that spider came up there, and all of a sudden, he just, I didn't, he was so quick, I couldn't even hardly, I didn't even hardly see him go, and bam, he had that fly. And that fly shook around a little bit, and that old spider got on top of him, and pretty soon, the life of that fly was, And I thought, Lord, that's exactly one of the things that goes through my mind was, or is or whatever that, Lord, that is exactly how the enemy works. He wants us to feel like there's no way out and we're trapped in this and, and, and the devil's coming after us and we run over here and we run over there and we run back down here and the devil just slowly follows us around and he waits for the moment he can grab us and take the life out of us. That's what the enemy was doing here in, in, a, in, in a type and shadow. They had, Samson was in this city and they thought, you know what? We have him. We have him. Well, it says that, uh, that Samson just back. I doesn't say he backed up to him, but he just went up to those gates and he just you know, bent down and he pulled those gates up, post and all. Now these wasn't some kind of a cattle gate either. These were gates that were used. Gaza was one of the Philistines' five main cities. These were gates that were used to hold armies out and the enemies out. You know, Jesus said, I've come. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. That means that the gates of hell will not be able to hold in. They will not be able to hold out the power of God, someone who has the power of God on their life. Samson, he backs up to those gates. He lifts them up, and it says he carried them to Hebron. And if I understand it correctly, Hebron was about 38 miles, and most of that way was uphill. Most of us couldn't walk 38 miles downhill <laughs> or on the flat. And most of us could not carry, and most of us could not climb 38 miles uphill. But here's Samson. He backs up to those gates and he just lifts them up, takes the post and all, and carries him 38 miles up the hill to Hebron. Probably kind of tosses him off and I don't know if he just walked on then or what. Can you imagine the strength that that took to pull those posts and those pillars, probably it in and rebar, and I don't know what all they would have did that, to just back up to them, just pull them out, put them on your back, and carry them uphill 38 miles. Boy, he left Gaza so, so powerful. And so victorious. Keep that in mind. 
the story isn't over yet, okay? Just remember it. He left with great strength. All right? Verse 4. Once again, he falls for another woman. And this one's Delilah. And it says that the Philistines, you see, when we, when we mess around, when we date, and when we flirt the en- with the enemies of the world, and we become engaged, and we, become, and we fall in love with those things, we are defeated. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that tonight? Samson loved Delilah. And he, he, once again, he loved the enemy. He was not trying to deliver God's people from the enemy. He was trying to get fulfillment and satisfaction from the enemy. And he loved Delilah. And in verse 5 and 6 through there, we can read that she... She tried to entice him. He says, what is your great strength? Verse 6, tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth. And Samson began to tease her and to play around with her. He said, if you take seven green whiffs that have never been dried, then I shall be weak as another man. And so she bound him. And then she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And it says that, that he broke them as any other time. Philistines ran. Now keep in mind that when he left Gaza, it does not say that the power of God was so much upon him anymore. That's the first time that it doesn't say that. I believe. Here again, he's with Delilah and the enemy saying, would you just please join hands with me? Could you tell me why, how, how is it that you get have this great strength? So he began to play with the enemy. And again, he says, Delilah says, don't you love me? And and she was a whiner. And she whined and whined and whined. And she says, why do you lie to me? And he said, I'll tell you what. He said, you take new ropes that have never been bound. And he said, I will be I shall be weak and be as another man. So again, what does Delilah do? She has, she has him go to sleep and whatever, and, and she puts those ropes upon him. She calls the Philistines. And it says that in verse 12 that he broke them like a thread. Now I'm sitting here, and I'm standing here, and I'm thinking, you know what, Samson, can't you see? Can't you see? what the enemy is trying to do with you. But the Bible talks about that our eyes become blinded. Our eyes become blinded, and we don't see what the enemy is trying to do. And we have some of that. Yes, we do. Our eyes are becoming blinded, and, and, and we're not fathoming what the enemy is trying to do. But, you know, as, as, as this goes on, you know, and he's just, you know, each time that he tells her, he gets just a little bit closer almost, it seems like, to telling her the exact truth. You see, the next time, she says, you know, she winds around a little bit more, and then in verse 13, he says, 
And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web. And she fastened it with the pin and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and went away with the pin and the beam and the web. So, you see, he's getting closer. The enemy is, is continually working and saying, won't you, won't you give me the secrets of your heart? Won't, won't you tell me the secrets of your heart? I'm not going to do anything with it. I would, I would just like to know. You see, those ropes had, he, his hair had never been cut. Those ropes had never been used. But he just kind of kept getting closer. Now he was kind of teasing around with the fact that, you know, if you do something with my hair, I will become as any other man. So she winds around some more and, and, and pleads with him. And um, it says in verse 16, And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. You know, sometimes we like to think, poor Samson. No, it wasn't poor Samson. It was foolish Samson. It was foolish Samson. He didn't need to be around that whiny woman and, and that heathen woman. He, 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 he was trying to satisfy his flesh instead of delivering God's people. And then verse 17, and he told her all of his what? What does it say? All of his heart. And said unto her, There hath never a razor came upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's room. womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I will become weak and like any other man. Isn't this interesting? And when the enemy, we can say, and when the enemy, or when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up at once, for he has showed me all of his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hands. And now look at this. Samson was supposed to be defeating the enemy, but he had been going after the enemy. He had been partying with the enemy. And now he had gotten so used to the enemy that the enemy could cause him to lay down upon her lap and go to sleep. You know, Delilah probably was really beautiful. She probably smelled really good. She probably had the tone of the sweetest little voice you could ever have. But you know, she was poison. And that's how the enemy is. Oh, his, he, he smells so good. He looks so good. He talks so good. His lips are so whatever. And just those words just flow out and all this and that. But you know what? He's full of poison. You know, and can't you hear, oh, Samson, you're so big and you're so strong. And I love you so much, Samson. And why don't you just lay your head down here and I'll just massage your shoulders a little bit and, 
and I'll just kind of comb your hair here a little bit. And you've had a hard day, Samson. Just just go ahead and, and relax a little bit. And, you know, just go ahead and relax here a little bit, and then we can get something around for you for supper, you know. If, after you take a little, and oh, he just, he was so enjoying the enemy. That, that he just lay down on her lap and went to sleep. So now he's sleeping, and, and the barber comes in and um, cuts off his hair. Now verse 20. Well, we'll read verse 19. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him, and she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. Is that a bleak verse? Somebody said that 80% of the activities in church would go on just like they were if the Spirit of God was taken out. That's challenging. But Samson woke up, and she said, The Philistines are upon you. And he was so used to just going out and having the power of God on his life and being able to get himself out of predicaments that he got himself in that he just got up, shook himself, didn't even realize that the Spirit of God was gone, didn't even realize that his hair was gone. And he went out, and he thought he was probably going to kill every one of those Philistines, and he found out just like that, that the enemy was much greater than he was without the power of God on his life. Up to this point, it seems like even though he was slipping away from God, he was breaking his vows, it still seems like that the, the, the final bit of the power of God left him when he shaved his head, when he broke his final vow. It says that the Philistines took him and they held him down you see, the enemy has no mercy, okay? The enemy has no mercy. You know, there are people who are 95 years old and they have lived their life for God that lay on their deathbed and the devil beats them up with whether they're saved or not. He has no mercy. And Philistines grabbed him. They didn't feel bad for him. And the enemy never feels bad, okay? The only thing he feels bad about is that he's defeated Okay, and so he, they, they, they grab Samson, they hold him down, and they take him, and they poke out his eyes. Now, now he can no longer see. Verse 21, where did they take him back to? Say it. Gaze up. Boy, just not too long ago, Samson had left there. He just backed up to them gates, lifted them up, carried them up Hebron, 30, up the hill to Hebron, 38 miles, tossed them off and went on his way. And now he comes back to the very, very city that he had left with such great strength in total defeat. I wonder what he thought as they led him down them trails. Maybe they led him through the, that very gate where he was. I wonder what went through Samson's mind as he was shackled 
And they led him through that gate. Put him down in the prison. Had him grind wheat. Sort of a lady's job. And I don't know, I've seen pictures that possibly it was like this stone and it had this wood piece out there. And and that Samson's job was day after day to, to walk around. To walk around. See, no longer was Samson so filled up with the activities of life. He had plenty of time now, didn't he? Before, he didn't have time for God, hardly, because he was so... You know, God was blessing him with all the things of this world, or so we like to say, and and we just don't hardly have time for God. You know, and as he walked around that mill down there, eyes poked out, probably practically no clothes, filthy. He walked day after day. Oh, I bet the Philistines would come in and they would have a good time with him. But day after day, you know, now he had time to think. Now, now, now the things of the, the enemy was no longer his friend. It had become his, and they had become his enemy again. And day after day, he walked around there. Day after day. I think he had a lot of time to sleep, or to think. And as he thought, I bet his mind went a thousand times back over the things of his life when the power of God was on him, when the power of God was not upon him. No longer was he taking any strong drink, just down there in that mill, pushing that, that, that stone around on there, walking around, pushing that stone, being made fun of. But you know, he wasn't touching any dead bodies He wasn't drinking any strong drink. And guess what? His hair began to grow. He had a lot of time to think. One day the Philistines were having a banquet. And they said, hey, you know, they were having a good party. They said, hey, let's get Samson. And let's bring him up here. And so they went down into the prison and they, they brought Samson up and there were, there were thousands of Philistines at this thing. And they, they said, hey, let's go get Samson and bring him up. And, and they said, let's, let's give glory, basically, is what they said to our gods because our gods delivered Samson into our hands. Let me ask you a question. Did their gods deliver Samson into their hands? Absolutely not. Samson chose to be delivered into their hands. Oh, yeah, he didn't want to have his eyes poked out, but he'd made a lot of choices before that that led to that. And so they said, bring him on out. So they brought him up, and, oh, man, I bet they had, I bet they had a fun time with him. You know, maybe Delilah was there, and she was probably really pestering him, and, you know, and, you know that's how the devil does. When, when he defeats us, he just, there's, he just rejoices. He laughs in our face. But as he stood there, he thought about some things. And he told the lad, he said, "Um, where are the pillars that hold this building up? He said, could you just take me over to those? Let me ask you a question at this point. Who was Samson fighting for? Who do you think? God's people or himself? I think he was fighting for God's people. Okay. He says, 
Take me to those pillars. And look what he says in verse 28. Well, I'll just start reading at verse 27 of chapter 16. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the rooftop about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. In other words, as they had fun, made fun of Samson. It says there were 3,000 on the roof. I don't know how many was on the inside. But anyhow, and it says, look in verse 28 what Samson did. And I believe that this right here is one reason why he is in Hebrews chapter 11. And I believe, I don't know for sure, but I believe that's why I will see Samson someday in glory. What did he do? He glorified God. And he remembered where his strength came from. Listen to what he said. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, Oh, God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me. Did he say, oh, give me those pillars and I'll, I'll go out as before? Is that what he said? No, no, that's what he said a little earlier, wasn't it? I'll shake myself and I'll go out and I'll tear those guys up. And Wait a minute. That didn't happen. What does he do here? And Samson called unto the Lord and said, Oh, Lord God, remember me, I pray thee. And strengthen me, I pray thee, this once more, O God, that I may at once be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of those two pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, and of the one in his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all of his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein, so that the dead which he slew at his death was more than they which he slew in his life. I know there's a lot of things that we can't grasp there. You know, people have asked questions like, well, did Samson commit suicide? Did Sam-? I don't have all those answers, okay? But I know this, that Samson was in the Old Testament. And God had told him that my plan for your life is, is that you are to begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. And he said, Lord, I, I'm going to just say this in Terry Meyer's prayer here, okay? As he was standing there by those pillars, I'm just going to reword it a little bit. Maybe his thoughts was something like this. Lord, I know that you gave me strength from my birth. And I know that I took that for granted. And I know that I broke my vows. But God, right now, I renew my vow with you. And God, my eyes are poked out and I'm getting older and I can't go back and do those things, but could I be once again used for your kingdom? I confess my sin. I renew my vow of not touching the dead bodies, not drinking alcohol, not cutting my hair. And God, could you give me strength for this one last battle that even in my death I can be used for your kingdom? 
I believe in Samson's day that was a form of repentance, was it not? I'm not the judge. I don't know where all he's at. Could I have done all the things that Samson done? No. Did I live in Samson's time? No. You know, I think Samson did many other great things for God that's not recorded. Do you ever find yourself thinking that, like I said earlier, that, you know, I know the way that we get along at home isn't right. I know that I haven't forgiven that brother. I know that, I know that I love money. I know that I whatever. But at least I'm conservative. We don't say that. But sometimes we live like that. I think it's right to be conservative. I'm not making fun of that. But it's not my salvation. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not my strength. It's maybe an outpouring of the strength that God has given in my life to be able to separate myself. Remember, great strength in one area will not... God. I want to say this different now. God will not overlook other sins in our life because we was really good with this one. Okay? God will not overlook sins in my life because, boy, he was really strong on that one. He loved money, but, boy, I tell you what, he never went to the movies. That's not how God looks at it. He wants our heart. Let's pray. Father, tonight as we looked at the life of Samson, God, I see so many times in my own life that I have acted in a lot of those ways. Maybe not just those exact ways, but, but with some of the same thinking that I'm saved and I can go ahead and do that. And I slowly walk away from God. God, I, I thank you for examples from Scripture. Father, tonight I I just pray that we would be open and honest with you tonight. God, am I playing with the enemy? Am I am I sleeping in the enemy's lap? Am I am I giving my am I giving my whole heart to the enemy and yet trying to serve God? I know I go out from day to day and there's no strength to overcome, but I guess it's just the day that we live in. No. It's because we're sleeping on the enemy's lap. Because you have come that we might have life, and that we might have it more abundantly. Not defeat, but victory. Oh, yes, we fail. 
and your grace is sufficient, but you don't expect us to keep failing. You expect, expect us to come back and repent and go on. So God, I, I just thank you for these brothers and sisters. And Lord, I'm just going to be honest with you right now. I, I'm not for sure how to close this, this service. God, I, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts. That you would guide us. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.